0: Welcome to the Focus on Agriculture podcast, where we address topics relevant to today's consumers and farmers. I'm Preston Schrader.
1: And I'm Jason Carr. Preston and I are Technology Development Reps, or TDRs, for Bear Crop Science. As TDRs, our primary mission is to help solve agronomic challenges that farmers face and to understand how to best utilize the Bear suite of products, including traits, genetics, crop protection, as well as digital tools, to create solutions that are tailored to each grower's unique farm.
0: We have a couple goals with this podcast, the first being to help farmers across the country to address challenges that they face throughout the growing season while introducing them to game-changing technology that has the potential to radically benefit their farming practices. We also want to provide the consumers of ag commodities who are not necessarily involved in agriculture with information about the practices farmers engage in and the reasons behind them, hopefully provide a greater level of understanding and comfort with how their food is produced. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Thanks for being here. To start out, would you give us some of your background and what your current role is?
2: Yeah, so my current role is the Director of Environmental Strategy and Industry Activation, which is a little bit of a mouthful. So I'll actually start backwards and say, what's my my previous experience? Um, As you guys know, I've spent a lot of my career um, in more agronomy and research and development focused sorts of roles. Um, And today my role is really focused in on what's the environmental impact of agriculture? What are the strategic partnerships um, that we need to have uh, as an industry, as a company? What are the uh, opportunities that we have um, to actually um, engage in, in in conversation with society around uh, the impact of agriculture and the environment. Uh, and really, uh, from our perspective, we see huge opportunity for uh, ag to be a solution to a lot of the challenges that, that society would, would actually say are, are problems that ag creates. Um, so things around biodiversity, things around greenhouse gas emissions, um, great opportunities for us in ag um, where the finger typically is kind of pointed at us, um, but we, we actually think um, you know, science uh, can actually show us
1: that uh, that we can actually be a solution. So, Andy, can you tell us a little bit? We hear the word sustainability thrown around a lot, and um, that probably means different things to different people. Can you tell us what it means to you?
2: Yeah, great, uh, great question. And, and certainly, the, the term sustainability has um, an infinite number of definitions. You know, people people think of it very, uh, very much in their own terms. I mean, the, the simple way for us to, I think, at least. Um, to find a, an anchor point is is really actually looking to what the UN uh, says about um, about sustainability and how they define it. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but it's it's really about you know being able to, to meet uh, the needs of, of people today without compromising the, the ability to meet the needs of people in the future. So it's it's a, it's a pretty simple way of distilling it down. Um, you know, obviously the devil then is in the details, right? Um, how does what we do in agriculture how does that impact today? Uh, how does that impact our, our future? You know, these are these are kind of thorny questions, and, and as you can imagine, um, depending on your perspective or your point of view, I think people have very very different um, ideas about what we do in agriculture. Um, and if you look at you know just kind of the societal response to uh, how their food is produced, um, you know we hear things like uh, the the food system is broken. We hear things like um, you know factory farms and. Um, you know efficiency is is not a, a something that we should should strive to attain in food production we want we want local we want um, you know things that are organically produced um, you know and i think as a company our perspective is look we work with all types of farmers and we're absolutely happy to uh, to be involved in, in agriculture and all of its its myriad forms uh, but at the end of the day uh, we also still look at uh, this, this huge challenge that's that's out in front of, of us as a society, which is, you know, uh, you know, additional 2 billion b- miles to feed, uh, over the next 30 years. Uh, and can we do that? Um, can we do that in, in a situation where those, those miles that, that we want to feed are also shifting towards, uh, diets that are higher in protein, which puts more pressure on the food production system. Uh, and so it's, a, it's a really big task. Um, but again, one that, that uh, certainly, as a science and an innovation company, uh, we we look at that as a great opportunity, uh, and we we certainly look at um, uh, you know science can help us define what what the problems are. Uh, but science and innovation certainly are going to help us develop the solutions to those problems. And so it's it's uh, for us, I think, it's a, a great opportunity. It's you know, there's never a bad time to be in agriculture. We we go through cycles. We understand that. But um, the the long term look on it is. Um, we've got to produce food for people, um, and we've got to do it in a way that, um, you know, we look at macro challenges around um, the you know, shrinking footprint of, of land um, because of urbanization, and, you know, more, more population just means more competition. Uh, we look at real big issues around you know, water. Who gets the water? Does it go to humans? Does it go to crops? Does it go to animals? Um, you know, these are, these are big, big issues that, um, you know, in our, our current state, um, you know, I think society would look at and say, well, how are we going to get there? Um, and I don't want to sound Pollyanna-ish, but I'm, I'm certainly an optimist. And I look at um, what we've been able to do in agriculture, um, let's just say over the last 100 years. And, you know, those of us sitting around the table probably have a good perspective of what agriculture was like a 100 years ago in central Illinois, um, the way that it was done, you know, it's certainly... Um, a romantic, sort of a, a nostalgic thing that maybe even a lot of us think about, you know, granddad or great granddad, you know, pulling a, a, a plow with a team of horses and, you know, all that sort of stuff is, is really interesting and, and fun and from a historical context. Um, but I think the interesting thing is um, that was a hard life. Um, production uh, from an agricultural output perspective wasn't great. It certainly is, is you know, incredibly low by today's standards and the way that we got from there to today is is through technology um so my my great grandfather my grandfather they farmed with horses uh, at least for my grandfather that's where he started um and by the time that he passed away uh you know there was there was uh, you know auto steer tractors on the farming operation and so um you know that's a that's a huge technological advancement um that happened over you know let's say close to 100 years uh now we're looking at um you know, that rate of change increasing substantially um, due to innovation. And that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what excites me actually about the future is that uh, we're actually getting better at getting better.
1: Well, I really like your definition. I, that's probably the best definition I've heard what you said at the beginning there. That its sustainability is meeting the needs of today without sacrificing the future, and I, I really like the succinct, succinct de- definition. Yeah, and I think I think farmers, by and large,
2: um, whether they would say it that way, um, again, you, you look at agriculture and farming as being sort of a, a generational occupation, um, and and so farmers very much view themselves as stewards of the land that they farm. They very much, I would say, um, think of themselves as working to leave that land, uh, in a better condition than where, than how they received it, uh, because they perceive that that's a direct benefit to, uh, to the generations that follow them that are, you know, their direct family members.
0: Absolutely. So it sounds like you have a fun job, Andy. Um, I don't know if you're able to distill down, I'm sure you wear a lot of different hats, but a day in the life, what is a day in the life with your yeah. role, or what is your side of the organization do?
2: good good question my my, so my um really direct influence uh direct uh, role is to um to work with with people outside of the company um so certainly uh, we clearly have a a connection to to folks internally as we think about um what are our sustainability commitments as a a corporation uh what do we aspire to um and, and how do we make that alive or come to life and what are the what are the external points where we need to work together with others um so you know, this is, not a, this is not a competitive sort of a space, you know, which is an interesting position for me to be in because, again, much of my career, you know, I've been kind of associated with one of our brands, I've uh, been associated with our sales teams, um, various different roles, um, and you, you kind of always have this sort of a competitive mindset that you, you want to be better than the competition. Um, we, we really look at this as, you know, there's kind of two ways to say it. It's a pre-competitive space. Um, but, but actually I really shy away from that term. Um, pre-competitive is, is, you know, to me kind of says that, well, there, there, there will be competition. Um, and, and I really look at this as a collaborative space. So, so we're absolutely happy to, uh, to work alongside our competitors. Um, we're absolutely happy to reach out to, um, to other groups and other entities that maybe... You know historically weren't really strong allies to ag and that's that's maybe not fair to them and that's that's maybe um uh, not the best perspective but you know certainly we're, we're we're working alongside a lot of different environmental groups um you know we call them NGOs, but uh but you know they they certainly have an aligned interest around what's happening in our environment um and and how do we solve that um and i think maybe sometimes um you know, it would shock a lot of people to hear that, you know, many of these environmental groups would actually look at uh, private industry, companies like us, saying, OK, you guys, you have the expertise, um, you, you, you know about the science, you have the connection to the farmers. Um, we can't we can't necessarily fix this by, you know, another lawsuit, but we can fix these problems, you know, whether it's, you know, nutrient loss or whether it's, um, you know, challenges around pollinators we can fix these issues by, by partnering together. Um, let's, let's leverage your expertise, let's leverage, um, they have also internal expertise, inter- internal scientific expertise, um, and that connection then from us back to the grower to say, how do we actually develop um, some, some programs, some projects, um, ultimately that we wanna see get to a scale. Um, uh, a, a great example um, would be one that we, uh, we kind of helped uh, initiate. Uh, there's a, there's an app that's available called uh, Habit Ally, um, in or habitat I, I maybe say it wrong, right? But, um, but for farmers, uh, you know, this issue of uh, the monarch butterfly population has certainly been um, a, a big conversation that's occurred uh, over the last few years. We've seen those populations decline, although, you know, last year we saw a great rebound in the numbers. I'm seeing some stuff on social media this year that looks like, um, you know, that we're seeing continued, uh, continued maybe not growth, but, but certainly uh, good levels of the sustainable levels of the monarch population. A lot of that, I think, honestly, is just awareness of the issue um, for companies like us and, and other groups talking to farmers saying, you know, hey, I'm a weed scientist by training, but milkweeds uh, do have a place in our, in our landscape. And to the extent that we can um, manage them in, in our cultivated fields, but, um, but, but set aside areas or, um, you know, make sure that we're creating um, habitat for monarchs, um, let's do that um, but also then let's go document that. And that's kind of a key step, right? Because I think when we think about regulations, we think about the endangered species act. One of the things that you need to understand is, you know, where, where is the habitat? Uh, is there enough habitat? Is there not enough habitats? Um, and you know, farmers can have a really active role, not just in establishing the habitat, but using that, that habitat ally or habitat up, um, to, uh, to go back in and actually, um, map out where those habitats are so that um, so our regulators actually have a good understanding of, of how diverse our landscapes truly can be even in an agricultural setting um, a day in the life Preston that, I think that's where you started the question um, you know I, I, I always uh, sometimes I have to pinch myself and maybe not in a good way and maybe not in a bad way. Right. But just to say, you know, I'm doing something that I don't think I ever dreamed that I would be doing. You know, certainly wasn't a career path that I woke up and said, Hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, but, but our, our careers can can kind of take us on interesting routes. Um, and a day in the life for me is, is, um, is pretty varied. Uh, but again, I, I get this opportunity to work with a really diverse group of people that are, you know, in some cases kind of outside of agriculture. Um, and, you know, I've always, like to think of myself as, uh, as a little bit of a teacher, you know, even as uh, in previous roles as, as an agronomist, you know, spend a lot of time training, spend a lot of time um, diagnosing and, and talking with uh, customers and farmers about what the issues were on their on their farm rate. And so, you know, I kind of do that just in a little bit different way uh, on a little bit different topic area, um, but it certainly allowed me the opportunity um, to, to to travel a, a little bit more in my role. Um, I've had uh, the opportunity here uh, in the last year to to go uh, speak with ambassadors at the UN Environment Program in Nairobi, um, just to, again try and help educate them and make them uh, help them think and understand. Um, think about ag differently, understand what it is that we're doing, uh, understand where uh, the role of technology, what it can play in actually addressing issues like climate change, addressing issues like um, loss of biodiversity or threats to biodiversity um, through, through intensification of production. And, and it's really a great story um, that, that society sometimes um, either doesn't want to hear, doesn't like to hear. Um, and I think a lot of that, again, goes back to the kind of that nostalgic sort of thought of you know I like the American Gothic view of, of agriculture I like the overalls and the pitchfork um, and you know anything that's efficient or factory driven and in, in, in food production must be by definition, bad, right? And and so, um, so having that conversation around what are the benefits to um, those gains in efficiency um, that again we've we've seen over the course of a hundred years here in Central Illinois um, in in terms of our, our production, um, but but
1: society maybe sometimes doesn't see. Can you can you expand on that just a little bit? You talk about some of those gains in efficiency and how that is. Leads to greater sustainability. Can you expand on that thought a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll use a, a, an example here um, from, from South America. We have a, a product in South America called Intacto Pro Soybeans um, that, that um, resists uh, a particular insect uh, that, that is highly damaging to soybeans. Preston, you'll, you'll tell me what it is. I can't remember if it's a soybean looper or, or which, which exact insect it is kind of doesn't matter. Um, you know, but the way that we managed that, that insect in, in South America was through, you know, multiple applications of insecticides. So broad spectrum insecticides typically are going to impact, um, not obviously just the target organism or the pest, but anything else that's in the field. Um, and, and so, you know, again, use, use correctly, that's okay. But to the extent that we can, develop products that allow us to eliminate those applications that's a good thing and you know in South America it really wasn't uh, uncommon to see you know sometimes eight or ten applications per year to control this pest of an insecticide so we can take those down to, to zero or maybe there's still a few other pests that they target with a, with a few applications there's this huge benefit to um, to the biodiversity of just the landscape because of the reduction of of the pesticides so we're really looking at how do we Lessen the impact of agriculture. At the same time, um, we control pests well um, through those biotech traits. Um, guess what? We actually, we actually, you know, are able to effectively maximize the ability for that that plant to produce its yield, right? And so we have a yield benefit to the farmer. Uh, we, have a, the, the the um, we have an environmental benefit because of the reduction in the applications. We have an environmental benefit because every time we would spray, uh, one of those insecticides, that's, uh, we're burning diesel, right? And so we can actually calculate all this sort of stuff out and say, uh, the, the impact of, of that technology from an environmental perspective, um, is, is enormous. And if we can continue to drive innovation and continue to develop products that, uh, technologies that allow us to produce more on that same footprint of land, um, we actually substantially reduce the the uh, the need to expand um, our agricultural areas um, we could actually see a, a situation in the future where we could actually reduce the footprint and quite honestly we, we might get forced into that anyway because again as we see increasing population um you know people people need to live somewhere um and you know the encroachment on agricultural lands is is, is substantial um not just here in the u.s but globally uh, and so that's really, I think, what you know. We we look at it as this intensification of production, um, producing more on the footprint where we're already producing, um, trying to alleviate some of the pressure of you know whether it's, it's deforestation or whether it's um, you know um, trying to to farm in you know marginal lands that really probably have a better suitability for something else. And quite frankly, that
1: better suitability is probably um, kind of more of a natural ecology. And that's a great story and unfortunately there's a lot of voices out there and that story is often drowned out so i guess that's a big part of your role yeah yeah it's a big part of of everything that
2: my team and and my colleagues that that we work on is you know how do we how do we help share that story um how do we help farmers share that story um because you know honestly um society uh when they when they look at our voice um they they of course you know we have a vested interest right We're, we're selling this stuff um and they Quite honestly, also tend to not trust uh, industry as, as a general rule, um, and so it's it's really about saying you know who are the who are the partners uh, in that in sharing that story that we can we can work with um, you know again obviously I think farmers have a big role and big responsibility honestly um, to be active in this conversation um, it's a tough conversation I mean it gets uh, it gets uncomfortable um, you know you, you get you get asked a lot of hard questions you get. Um, you get put on the spot a lot um, by, by by folks that you know again whether it's they don't understand or whether they they do understand but they just have a different ideological perspective right and so you know our our our, our opportunity is to to really try and engage in that dialogue and to on our own and our own uh, operations and our own our own um the work that we do to be open to listening to right um so we don't have all the answers um and society does have a perspective Um, I'm I'm using my air quotes here with society because I keep saying that, but, but, you know, it's, it's the people that buy agricultural products, right? It's people that eat and and they certainly have uh, a perspective and and we need to understand that. And we need to be able to try and say, how do we, how do we find common ground with them? Um, How do we find uh, uh, some sort of shared sense of, of here is the way that we can all move forward together.
0: Well, Andy, we appreciate your time. We'd like to invite you back on maybe this winter. Your schedule allows, but it's been a pleasure. Yep.
2: Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the program hosts or their employer.